I wanted I wanted to kind of frame who I am for the listeners yeah. that don't know me. And last night I woke up at 3 a.m. and I had a vision from God. And I wrote down this commission that he gave to me. Oh boy. I'm scared. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> and let me read it to you okay. because it's it, it is as pure as 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 my heart is. The Lord has commissioned me to send this message out to the seven nations and all the churches of the land. I am seeking a new wife. (laughs) A wife who is fertile, young, and ready to endure the awful burden of sex with me that must be unleashed upon her so that we may create more humans. Wife applicants must be of legal age and comfortable with the terrible burden of oral sex. (laughs) Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening in to the Mark Explains podcast. I am your host, Mark, and we got something special for you this week. So I was a guest on a podcast called Unraveling with Tom and Pete. Tom has been a good friend of mine for a few years. And uh, him and Pete, a good friend of his, started a podcast, um, and they talk about some really interesting things regarding the deconstruction of faith. And a lot of you know that has been a journey of mine and a big part of my story and a lot of things that I've shared here on the Mark Explains podcast. So they invited me to go on their podcast, and it was an absolute blast. Now, I did share that link a week ago, but I wanted to also share the episode after a little bit of time. I wanted to send as much traffic their way as possible, but I did also want to share this episode as it is really special to me and also a little bit ridiculous. As you know, I am ridiculous. Uh, so thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you check out Unraveling with Tom and Pete. Go, I think they're on Spotify and uh, iTunes, wherever you find your uh, podcast. Uh, but in the meantime, you can listen in. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope you enjoy this podcast. When those things we were once certain of in our faith and in our lives start to come undone, the initial panic, frustration, or grief can give way to a pursuit and a discovery of something real, true, and beautiful. Something that was hidden from us, but had been there all along. Welcome to Unraveling with Tom and Pete. Hey folks, thanks for joining us again for another run at the podcast, Unraveling with Tom and Pete. Tom here with my good buddy Pete. Well, hello there, Thomas Pfeiffer. It's good to, it's always good to be able to do Your this. Your Christian name, yes. Yeah, I use my Christian name. I'm in trouble, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I got to say a couple episodes ago, we were like, this is the first time that we didn't rock out to the music. And like today we're, we, we're feeling ourselves. We we're, did we're, it justice again. Yeah, yeah. Well, and especially it helped because we had a guest with us who Oof. was just as keyed in about the intro. We will get to him, but to frame our conversation, we're having a series of conversations with folks about... What is your relationship with church? And uh, just to kind of process and hear from a lot of different folks, a lot of this is not necessarily to make a point, uh, but to just kind of create some space for us to reflect, to share stories, to, to learn from one another. And so today we get to hear from my good friend, my former CrossFit coach, a fellow podcaster, and uh, he does a bunch of other stuff as well. I'll let him introduce himself. His name is Mark Short. Welcome to Unraveling, Mark. What's up, guys? It's great to have you, man. Thank you. Yeah. This is the first podcast that I have been the guest on. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah, I have yeah. been doing podcasting for three years. Okay. And I have had, man, uh, you know, uh, 30-some guests on my podcast, okay. but I've never been a guest somewhere else. Yeah, so do they all just suck and they don't want to bring you on? or like <laughs> These are people that I've never done a crossover. Got it, okay. No. I, so no one else has been a podcast, though, is what you're saying. Right, yeah, okay. I've, okay. and I've wanted to a couple of times, and I think I've set up one or two, but they fell through. Sure, okay. But now, here we are. Here we are, man. 
Full I think circle. excited. I feel all of space time, the continuum is stopping <laughs> for us here in this moment. This is to use to use the old Christian, you know, Greek. Uh, this is a Kairos uh, moment, not a Kronos moment, not but a Kronos, Kairos, but Kairos, a Kairos moment. So absolutely, this is we didn't you give doing, it a heads up. You're we, doing live sound effects. This is my favorite thing I have ever. <laughs> Encounter. Anytime we use a, a Christianese word or something that's or a theological jargon, language jargon, whatever, you got to um, get booed, Mark. Oh my yeah. gosh! You're so get if it. you if you use some good jargon, we'll, we'll throw in the boo. And okay, well, um, are we allowed to cuss on this episode? Yes, yes, we are. Yes. yes, sweet. Yes, good to good to get that clarified. All that stuff we would have talked about pre-show, but you were like, "No, we just have to jump in." <laughs> well, <laughs> Such an eight thing. Tom hates that. By the way, Mark, I don't if know. You if just you knew also that. you said I Tom. hate that. That's that's the eight thing. No, is Tom you do hate that. it. Well, if you can just tell me what not to do, I, I'll figure out what I need to do. Yeah, I just need to know what I'm not allowed we'll to just, do. We're just gonna go. It's okay. fine. It's fine. <laughs> LFG. Let's do this thing. LFG. LFG. There it is. LFMAO. Whatever that is. I don't. I'm not cool. Let's get into this conversation. Good grief. So we're talking with folks about uh, just a little bit of around, like, what is your relationship with church? And Mark, you know, we've obviously, we've gone around and around. I, I know a lot of your story. Yeah. Uh, certainly listeners don't. Pete doesn't. And so um, just kind of wanting to, to get into this conversation of what is your relationship with church kind of begins with what has been your relationship with church. So let's start with, like, growing up and what's kind of the, the background, you know, religiously, spiritually, all that jazz. Well, church was my life. I didn't know anything else. Kind of, I mean, you understand when you grow up and your parents show you something, that that thing is all you know to be true. And they pulled me into a life of fundamental Christian uh, culture and ideologies. And that's all that was true. That was it. Um, And it really took a long time for me to kind of figure out that this this culture that I was, uh, was kind of constructed for me was completely constructed for me, wasn't what I thought it was. But it was much further in life than I really care to admit. Um, So when I was being raised, I mean, to kind of give a really good example, my my parents were uh, involved in a church. Oh, what was the name of it? Um, uh, I can't remember the name of it. But it it was like a small, oh, like a commune. Okay. Where all of the people lived together, Shiloh Fellowship. That's where these people are serious, locked in. Very, very serious. This is like Acts two. We hold everything in common. Yes, they sold their possessions. Blah blah blah. Yes, they all lived in the same house, but it was like a like a mega house. Yeah, not mega, mega. Just for clarification. For clarification. Thanks for that. Yeah. It's really important to get that right. Probably a bag of house, too. <laughs> Probably. Oh. <laughs> oh. Let's just be honest. Probably. Uh, and the pastor told, would tell the people when to get pregnant. Oh, and so boy. I am oh actually, I know. So I'm actually one of like six kids all born within about a one month span. You, you were, your life was yes. affirmed by the pastor. Yes. Yes. And okay. so, I mean, it, it kind of gives you an idea of the level of control that was had wow. from, but it was also like when you're in it, it, it doesn't seem irregular or doesn't seem like it's off from normal when you're in it it's everything makes sense because it's all self-supporting the whole thing Mm -hmm. is self-supporting and so like when i speak about these things and everyone's like oh my god that's ridiculous it isn't when you're in it well it's 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 the whole how's the water boys is the old fish is swimming by the young fish and the young fish go what the hell is water (laughs) <laughs> you know, when, when you're swimming in it, this, it's just, it's just air. It's, it's just, just the is. thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's this thing you're in. So that kind of gives you an idea of the culture that I was raised in. Um, I mean, there's like Johnny Kessler is still one of my good friends. He's like born two weeks before me. Um, and then Erica Hart is like a month after me. So like there's this whole group and we're, like, we're kind of still friends. Um, some of us, a couple of them, I have no idea where they went. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until much later, like I went through high school and kind of just fell off, wasn't really into it. And then after high school, um, I went to like this college outreach for this church way down in Bellevue, Michigan. It's like 40 minutes south of Lansing. It is like the Hickville. And they did this college outreach. And it was like insane for me. I, I showed up. This was a 
was this a week before my 21st birthday. Okay. And I, it was just something about that service. And then they did a human video. I don't know if you guys know oh, what a human yeah. video It's where they put music, they like hit play on a song and then people act it out, you know, and oh, yeah. it evokes an emotional response. What was the song? When God Ran. Okay. Um, and I don't know if I know that one. It, oh, I can't, uh, John Eldridge, maybe? I'm not sure. Um, and oh, John Mark McMillan. Yeah. That's who it is. Um, oh, wow. See, he, he was making music back then? Oh, yeah. He's been making music. I didn't since. realize he was. That, oh, he's he's been old, doing it for a long man. time. Really? Oh, old he's, guy. Yeah, he's, right. he's two or three decades. I'm not trying yeah. to age you, but just like, I mean, oh, just thinking me. you're, well, that I'm, was before you were 21, so that would yeah. be a while back. Yeah, yeah, like 60 years ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> Good. Um, John Mark, man, he's looking great, you know? <laughs> uh, this is 2003. <laughs> okay. Um, yep, okay. so this is 2003, and I, like, they did the whole premise is just so cheesy like they're you know it's like each verse tells a story and and then in the chorus it's like then god ran to me took me in his arms and i'm and like there was something about it i was like (gasps) like it was like this uh, this response because i felt like i had never been wanted Mm -hmm. and no one had ever ran for me my whole life I mean, the narrative to my story is I'm not enough. I'm not good enough for my mom. I'm not good enough for my friends. That was my story my whole life. And all of a sudden, something or someone finds value in me. And that was huge. And I dumped myself into the Christian faith. Mm. I mean, because I had the upbringing. I had the foundation. Didn't really care. And then I, it made it personal. Mm. And it was over. And so then I went down to uh, a, a faith Bible college done in Fort Myers called Master's Commission and came back up. Um, I spent three years there and that was, that was good and bad. Okay. There was things that were really great about it. Helped sculpt my faith in ways. Um, but they what, really, what kind of faith did they sculpt for you? Well, I mean, they are very Protestant, evangelical, um, charismatic. They okay. spawn from the assemblies of God. Um, so it's, I mean, very typical. What you would think is, exactly what you think it is and that was like 2004 to 2004 to 2007 okay and i had like the first year was the best year oh my gosh it changed my life forever love the people and then second year and third year things kind of fell apart and um i went and became a youth pastor and then got ridiculed for not making enough money from the youth pastoring and it was it, it kind like of for like, the church, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I wasn't, you know, scheming enough money from the people and or from the kids. From the kids, yeah. Right, They're yeah. like, we'll replace you if you don't, you know, make more money. And I was like, I feel like this isn't the purpose of, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so then I, I was just like, this isn't what I want to do. And so I went and took the ASVAB and what is this? Uh, the Military. armed. Let's see, ASVABs, Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery. Okay. It is. Uh, the test where you go into the military. Got get it. placed, yeah. And you don't have to place very good in order to get in, but I placed very well. And uh, of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I actually did really poor in high school. Like, that high school, I got like a 2.3 in high school. I, it was 0.7. What, what? <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm dumber than you. Not, what did you get on the ACT? Right I didn't take the ACT or the SAT. I didn't even take them. I didn't care because my parents had just divorced. So okay. I, I had no I had no drive in life or anything. So you got really high on the ASVAB. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you went military? So I went, um, but I, I went aviation and okay. uh, in the Coast Guard and did search and rescue. And I did that for four years. Um, and all the while was kind of figuring out my faith during that. I still had it and like nothing had fallen apart yet. Um, but I just know I had been burned from the church. So I was careful. So at this point you had been burned from church, Yes, but your faith was still there. Yes. I want to pause at this part of your story and like, cause that's even its own interesting distinction, right? I had big questions, okay. but I had, I had very calculated responses that had been taught to me my whole life. Yeah. So you still had the theology of your yes. kind of upbringing of the education. Yes. But um, I had well-sculpted answers for every question. Yeah. I had an answer for everything. Of course. So then, and that's your faith, which holds strong. But at this point, you're like, I've been hurt. I don't want to work in church. Yes. So then military route. Yep. So okay. I went to military and then I um, led worship for a big church down in Florida called... Um, the Potential Church, uh, it was huge. It was so much fun. It was actually called the Potential Church? It, no, it's called Potential Church. 
um, there's a lot behind that name. What were your uh, your bangers that you did every week? Oh man, I want to know. Take it, like oh, fierce, we'll take back. like fierce, like Jesus culture. Oh, I mean, it was Jesus. Phil Col- Wickham, Je- Jesus culture for sure. Bethel. Because the charismatic um, stuff, gateway, right? yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they were Southern Baptists, actually. So uh, potential, potential, oh potential, potential was. church Which was Southern Baptist. Well, but you had the background of charismatic. I had charismatic. But you know, God is a God of all faiths. Okay, and so I well, lateraled over. Of course. Well, and, then and you, you can work for the Baptists, but you'd have your thank you. But you have your background. in hoping and hoping I can convert them to the charismatic, the single one path, true path to God. Okay, yeah. and Jesus, I'm, one Jesus culture song at a time will get them there. Of I'm course. just wondering, Taylor, a Taylor or a Martin or a Gibson. Guitar. Oh, dude, Paul Reed Smith, come on, get out of here, PRS. Really? Wow. Yeah, I mean Taylor for acoustic, but if I'm playing electric, yeah, PRS for sure, all okay. the way. Okay. Stuff's, it, it just still it, play to this day. I haven't played in years, actually, and that's another story. But <laughs> I got married in the time in that in the in my military season, and then uh, got kicked out for having kidney stones. Couldn't fly anymore, and they and so I moved up here to Michigan. Is it really like pissing out barbed wire for a day? Okay, my grandpa always said it was like pissing out barbed no, it's, it's not. It's not the pissing part. It's the dropping part. So you have yeah. a, your kidney and your bladder, and there's a uter between the two. Yeah. And it's like, you got to think, this thing is like a flexible straw, like linguine, <laughs> right? This is the best podcast ever. <laughs> and you got to think that the stones are like marbles with spikes that are way too big. I, I fished one out linguine. of the urinal once. Yeah, so yeah. they're way too big for this. So when, mm. they, when they go down... That's what hurts. It's when the, it drops from the kidney through the ureter into the bladder. You guys just got a medical lesson. We'll have to go post podcast, and I'll tell you about the time I fished one out of the Grand Rapids Airport. Well, you just told urinal. me. So, well, no, the whole story behind it was epic. That's episode two. A- afterwards, yeah. yeah. So uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, you so, carry on. This is keep so, it up, Tim. Keep going. I'll just, oh, I'll just watch y'all. Yeah. No, so I so I moved up to uh, Holt, Michigan, which is where I actually live now. I moved up to Holt, Michigan, and uh, did worship for the church there while I was trying to figure out my life. And I went to, uh, I decided to go back to college. I didn't know what to do. So I went to Lansing Community College because I had, did not have the grades for anything. And took two years and got my general associates uh, and did so well. I was uh, graduated uh, magna cum laude and got a full ride scholarship to Michigan State University. Um, but that was through other things as well. Um, and in the process took like an environmental technology class and I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I mm. want to do science. This, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do science. Uh, and I ended up lateraling over into um, geoscience. I became a geoscientist and, and a chemist. So I have two degrees from Michigan State University. In the process, <laughs> this is really funny for Pete apparently. Um, in the process, what, that, what education did for me is it allowed me to talk intelligently about things that I love. Like when somebody would ask me about the, you know, the composition of some stone, I could talk about it intelligently. And I loved that. So I was like, I want to know everything about my faith. I want to know everything about my religion. I want to know everything about everything. So I'm curious because like. And this is 2012. Go on. Yeah, so you went to a school yes. that was meant to be training for ministry and formation and theology. Yes. And that didn't give you the feeling of being able to, being able to articulate something intelligently. It, it gave me the rhetoric in order to know how to respond to questions that are taught. Yeah, I didn't know the intelligence behind it. I yeah. knew the rhetoric. Huh. I mean, that's what that's what Bible schools teach you is they teach you how to respond with a certain set of implications, a certain set of knowledge. It's not a, it's not true knowledge. Mm. True knowledge causes you to question. False knowledge causes you to be really confident in the answer. Mm. And I was Certainty. super confident. Exactly. Mm. If you're confident in the answer that you have about literally anything, you probably know very little about that thing. Right. And so I wanted to know everything. I mean, simple questions like, when was the Bible put together? I, can, I, had, I cannot believe that you went to a ministry yes. school and did not know how to answer that. Oh, no. So like... like so, so you're saying is all discipleship. It's yeah, it's a hundred percent. But see, here's but the thing: not. if you if I were to learn about 
Constantine in the year 300, he's a human, first of all, putting together, and he's not actually a Christian in any capacity. He's a, he's a tyrant. He was an evil, evil man putting together the Bible in order to control the people, mostly women. In that time, it was very a political gesture that would have led to other questions. Yeah. So you, they you were can't, protecting. You can't have questions mm. in the Christian faith. So at least in your upbringing, well, you can't yeah. have you can't have uh, very divisive questions. You can have simple questions like you know, uh, did, like why did why didn't you know the drives get them come on the ark? You know, you can have stuff like simple questions, but you can't have like but what what about the morality of God questions? You know, mm. those questions lead to other questions, and that's not allowed. Mm. Questions aren't allowed, like the simple ones are. So. That first led me to the next part, which led me to another question, which led me to more questions that led me to more questions. And all of a sudden I had this myriad of questions that really couldn't be answered. And so then I was like, I'm just going to read the Bible cover to cover. That'll take care of everything. That was probably one of the worst things I've ever done for my faith was reading the thing that I thought was about my faith because then all the inconsistencies came in mm. and I started like this Google Excel spreadsheet and got like, I don't know, a few hundred in. And I was like, I wonder if somebody else has done this and Googled it and bam, there was like, you know, 3,700 biblical inconsistencies or whatever. Sure. And that was another huge like hammer to my faith. And then, um, I mean, if you really want the whole version, I really uncovered and unraveled the similarities and the correlations between Horus the sun God and Jesus and all and everything that comes out of uh, the book of the dead, the Egyptian book of the dead. That was like 11,000 years ago from now. So it predates Jesus and Christianity and everything in the Bible by you know 5,000 years or something. And that's when everything kind of fell apart. Mm. And then I went into like nihilism and atheism. And I, we've talked about that, like a little sure. bit of pantheism, yeah. panentheism and solipsism. All, all the isms. Yeah, yeah. Kind of all of them. And now I'm back here and I'm, I consider myself, oh man, uh, human. Yeah. Uh, I'm a mystic. I know that there's more going on than the physical reality that lives beyond us, but beyond that, I am unsure. Yeah. And that's the kind of area that I live in. And yeah. I know there's more and I have no idea what that is. And I think that is the most beautiful, sacred thing. And to try to figure that out, to think I have an answer for that, it kind of reduces it down. Yeah. So obviously, the all the isms that you talked about, I mean, <laughs> moving from all these things, they might have their own like intellectual journey about how you move oh, there. Yeah. But I'm curious, just more big picture, going from atheist, which would be its own sense of certainty about the lack of existence of God. Well, I think I was mad. Okay. It wasn't that... Well, maybe. I was actually fairly certain at one point that Jesus didn't exist as a human on earth. I, I'm fairly certain he did now. I'm like 80%. Um, but that doesn't, I mean, there, there was a point where I was like, I don't want God to exist. Mm. So I became an atheist kind of out of anger and bitterness. What were you angry about? I was angry. I was kind of angry at my parents. Okay. Um, that they didn't ask these questions. Why was I 30 years old asking questions that a seven-year-old should be asking? Why did no one tell me this? Right. Mm. Like, What's your relationship with your parents now? Uh, my mom passed this year. Um, oh. it, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't great with her. Uh, she did the best she could, and uh, I loved her through that. Um, I'm really close with my dad, and I love him. Um, he would probably still say he is a Christian to this day, but um, I haven't had any in-depth conversations about that yeah. with him. When um, <clears throat> I got a couple of places I could go. Let me, let me go back a little bit further. Cause it was, it was after the, you know, how it, how it went down with the worship pastor gig. Um, or I guess, or you talked about the youth pastor gig, how that was like kind of soured you on church, but then you did end up going back and working for a church and then your faith questions came up. Um, what, I guess, what, what's your relationship with church kind of through this whole process of, I mean, it sounds like you kind of weren't connected with church, but still had faith and then back with church and then faith starts to ask all these questions and starting to dig and all that. So, so what happens with your relationship with church at this time? Currently? I, it's, no, back, back when you oh, were back. starting to unravel a bit. Oh man. So I was still leading worship yeah. um, and praying for people. Like I had become an atheist and I was praying for people 
to accept Jesus mm. or to come to the altar for prayer. As a professional responsibility kind of thing? Oh, or? well, I mean, th- my ministry became don't unravel those who don't need to be unraveled. Mm. Um, you know, and I love the, I love the episode or the, the name of the podcast that you guys have, but I'm very cautious on who mm. I share this journey with specifically. I mean, so there is a, um, you know, a, a girl that I was interested in, uh, and we, we've hung out a few times. She's an incredible human being, incredible. And she definitely has a faith, but she's kind of going through her own questions and she's like asking all these really digging questions. And I'm so cautious because this was my journey. And early on, I learned quickly that, um, my deconstruction was rippled effect to my sister's deconstruction and one and my wife, my ex-wife's deconstruction and a few others because of the things I went through mm. and like the podcast that I produced. Um, there's, it's like uncensored Christian part three, which I, where I tell my story and I'm like super honest. Um, and my sister listened to that and like became a atheist overnight. Wow. And I felt responsible for that. And I don't mm. want to unravel someone else I, I, they need to go through that journey their own. And if they never become unraveled, if they never go through deconstruction, that's, I'm good with that. Like, even if, even if all of this is a fairy tale, even if the entire Christian faith and all of Jesus story is a fairy tale, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay that some people believe that because it helps people. It can help and it should help. And I don't want to be responsible for unraveling other people because I saw the destruction it had in my own life. So I'm very cautious with that. I remember having similar feelings as a pastor where I am actively a pastor and (laughs) like, I wouldn't say I was having like major faith crisis, but my faith had changed certainly from that of the people that I was then in ministry with, you know, they had held on to a very simplistic understanding of Bible of, you know, God says that I believe that settles it, you know, of all these different things that I had kind of, really worked through and landed in a different place, still, still holding a faith, still feeling like I had something in common with them. But it was the trick of like exactly what you captured of like, I don't need to conscript my questions if you're not asking them. I don't need exactly. to give someone a faith crisis, you know, like yeah. I, I really, I'm not in the business of, I, and to your like kind of a little bit of what you said, like I don't need everyone to think exactly like me. I'm not trying to no. make, you know, um, get your boo ready. I'm not trying to make disciples of me, right? You know, <laughs> um, which is a pastory thing to say, but for real, like, you know, it's not about having a bunch of people who think like me. And so I don't want to just say like, this is, you know, and, and come in and crush people. You know, what I wanted to do is like, wait until people were asking questions right. and start walking with the people and the questions they were asking. Right. Um, well, and I'm also cautious because I can recall vividly the night that I lost God mm. and what that was like to me. I mean, that God was my identity for my whole life. Mm. And when that happened, like I still get emotional to this day. I felt like I lost somebody who was with me, a father, a best friend, which is weird to me because uh, I won't go into that too much. Um, but I felt like I lost a part of myself yeah. and I didn't, I, I felt I didn't know who I was anymore. And that was so deeply emotional to me. And that led to me losing friends Mm. and losing my church community, which I was so close with. And so I lost myself and then I lost my friends. And then I'm, and so now I like, what do I have? And I, I didn't know what to do or where to go. And so then I found CrossFit, this new religion. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Um, so, okay. But let's, let's press into that a little bit. We'll get to the CrossFit piece in a sec, but, but just to, um, I, I'm curious that like the loss of God, you talked about a loss of identity, eventually it's a loss of friends, all that. Like I go back to the, what, what you articulated about the human video that brought you in at the beginning. Ugh. Right. Was that what you were losing? Was the one who would, who would embrace you? Who the would one run who, to you? The one who ran to me. The one who ran to you. Yeah, the one who accepted me when I thought I was unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, the one who 
showed me I had value when I thought I was unvaluable. Yeah. Um, that that's what you lost. The loss of that was almost worse than the loss of my marriage. Mm. Almost. Uh, and actually a lot of the deconstruction and going through that process was the demise of my marriage. So mm. it kind of like all played into itself because yeah. it was 2012 when I started college in really 2013 when I went through the deconstruction and then 2014, I got divorced. It was mm. like, bam, 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 wow. all in one. Well, and especially as you tied it in that like the loss of God in that moment then becomes loss of community. Yeah. Cause at that point, I mean, so correct me where I'm wrong here, but, knowing your story a bit and I can kind of fill in some blanks just assuming, but you know, the, your whole identity, your whole world, your whole community, your, the, what the thing that held together a lot of your friendships was God. It was this shared belief. It was this shared yeah, bond of faith, mission, bond of faith, all these things. Yeah. The bond and of so, faith is one of the strongest bonds there are. Mm. And what do you mean by faith? Bond of faith? Well, we share the same faith. We share, we, we share the same, uh, intellectual ascents? Yeah. We, the, the same uh, ideas? The, the same uh, religious structure okay. built in our brains. Okay. You know, and I call it the bond of faith. Uh, um, th- that was basically the last thing that was holding me and my ex-wife mm-hmm. together was the bond of faith. Yeah. And when that broke, we just became like roommates. Yeah. And um, I still love her to this day. She ever listens to this. Love you, Jude. You're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I'm always so cautious. Uh, it's why I love coming on podcasts because I'm not really talking to anybody. I'm talking to everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm good with that because people that will be listening to this are probably going through something similar, I can imagine, or people that just hate you. It's one of those two. Oh. Um, I have found, and if you guys haven't realized that in your podcast yet, uh, you have two groups of people that are listening. People that are like kind of similar, interested, like don't really know what they're doing. And then people that hate you also listen to it. And then, and you'll know. Can, um, can I just, as the non eight on microphone right now, <laughs> point out just how incredibly Enneagram eight black and white. You're either he said, the same as me or you're fucking against me, man. He said you're the eightiest eight he's ever <laughs> met. See, and that's and the that's other thing that an eight like, would do is not. Ugh. What? Not that I was like, keeping that a secret from Mark, but like, why would you say that right now? I am quite the eight of eights. <laughs> but, but at the same time, the, uh, it's really hard for me to live inauthentically. Yeah. So I am on stage leading mm. people in worship yeah. when I don't even believe a, a, an iota of this stuff. I'm like, look at all these fools. And at the same time, I'm like, we just need to press in. You know, like I go into, I go into that voice, you know, oh, I, I put an inflection in my voice and I voice. say, yep. And I'm, I'm like real slowly strumming on my, on my guitar. I'm like, mm, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You know, like, and I, at the same time in my brain, I'm like, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. You know, like at the same, it's, it was such a dichotomy within myself. Yeah. And there, I mean, it was quick. It was maybe a month and I'm like, I can't yeah. do this. Yeah. I'm living inauthentically and it would be, it would be wrong for me to do that for them more so than even for myself because you know I at one point I believed that I can't lead you to a place that I haven't been myself and I'm literally not going anywhere I'm just pretending and everyone's like but people come up to me like man that was so spirit led today and I'm like "Mm, bless you sister you know like I I'm like this is garbage this is all fake. There, there is a lot of that, like, mm. like the language that people use. I am skilled at evoking emotional responses, and I can Ooh. still do it today. So I, I have, mm. I just was in a conversation with someone recently where I said it feels so weird to be really good at the thing that I like can't stand anymore. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like. I know how to put together a contemporary worship set mm-hmm. yeah. that has the right feeling, that has the right mood, that oh, transitions yeah. well. The, the product, that's oh, yeah. the language that has been resonating with me well, of I, like the experience. Well, I want to do an episode on uh, spiritual manipulation mm. and how I, use, I was taught and sculpted how to manipulate and evoke feeling like an emotional responses in the crowd. Yeah in order to help them receive a certain set of dialogue from the person that is coming up after me, because everyone comes in at a different place. Everyone's, you know, they, 
You know, some people are uh, doing wealthy, some people are not. Some people had bad weeks, some people had good weeks, some people just got done from a fight, some people just had sex. They all coming in, they're all different. Mm -hmm. And I can get them on a similar plane. You give me seven minutes, bam, done. And I like I can I can make them laugh, and then I can and then I can draw them in, and then I can I can hit them with the good stuff, and I can talk with that inflection in my voice, and just get them. I I, I basically turn the oven to get them curated at mm. that certain point. I know how to do that, and then I, I slowly transition. Let the pastor come up. He delivers the message. Home run. How is that not manipulation? And so, I, don't, I don't know if we want to talk about that well, today. <laughs> I, I, I want to press into a piece of that because I. I think it does connect to like a relationship with church question, but to just think about this, like where, where do we blame the, I almost hate the question, but um, like, where do we lay the fault? So like we can name, we can big picture, look at this and say, this looks like, um, you know, manipulation. Um, well, manipulation maybe, maybe isn't I'll, a bad thing. It is it, manipulation just means a change of the thing due to an input from yeah. a from a user like that's all it is like i am changing the thing into what i want it to be and that like i can manipulate a mind in a great way and in a lot of in a lot of senses the church was manipulated to help people Ooh, that raises a big ethical question though right of like is yes. it okay to manipulate someone to a healthy thing well yes absolutely uh, and, and i believe this strongly yes um and here's the reason why and we can we're gonna go in so many different directions here availability cascade we've talked about this before it's one of the four main biases uh, of the human brain that I can tell you something um, so many times. Like, I mean, my ideals and cultures from when I was a kid, I was told thousands of times. And at first, those ideas live on the outside of the brain and the, the neocortex. But over time, they work their way down to the central part of your brain where your identity lives, your thalamus. So therefore, you don't need to be told those things anymore. They live inside of you. So every thought you have passes through the filter of those things before it gets to a conscious thought. So I can have a thought, like, I'm going to go to the store, but it's passing through the filter of this dense Christian ideology. So I think to myself, where would God want me to go? So (laughs) this is the idea that is given to you. So if a child is being raised like they think they have no worth, and I can say, I'm going to manipulate this person's brain to show them love. And so every day I tell you, you are worthy, you are loved, you, are, you have so much value and placement in this world, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. I'm manipulating the brain yeah. in order to show and bring love. Wow. So I think what, I, what I'm hearing in that is my mind does not have as scientific of a definition of manipulation as yours is. Right. Yours, it's a very more technical kind of way of talking about change yes. as opposed to, I Forced. think what... When I hear manipulation, I, I kind of assume a sinister bent, right? I assume well, that's, uh, our, that's the cultural construct behind the word manipulation. Sure. But to, to manipulate is, oh, is guided change. It's I just think, guided change. I think that because I'm an American. Oh, my God. Because, like, freedom. I'm just throwing stuff now. Um, throwing your keyboard. Fucking keyboard. <laughs> well, my like. second keyboard, too. <laughs> stop it. That's just me. What a nerd. <laughs> Tom, I, I, I said some... Guys suck. <laughs> Tom, shows up, feel, Tom? <laughs> Tom shows up with an iPad and a keyboard okay. attached to the iPad so and then pulls out a second keyboard. <laughs> his iPad th- is broken. His I, keyboard isn't keyboardy enough? <laughs> I do not have excess money to buy a new folio keyboard to replace <laughs> the one that I have. So this is the wireless keyboard for my home computer. Oh that I now carry with me as a way of saving money. Okay. Are we good now? Great. Oh, I like how you manipulate your surroundings in order to get the achievement that you need. That was almost a good segue. That was great. Um, let me, let me get my manipulation is guided change. Yeah. Well, I guess like, so at Hmm. some level, so, so yeah, maybe to assess that, like, not all of what we're talking about there, it being manipulation, is bad. No, absolutely not. It, but it, now, when you were, so I'm almost curious, like, that's what you're saying now. When you realized it was manipulation then, what did you think? Oh, I needed to get out. Yeah. Fast. Now, is that because you thought, like, to do this is manipulative and that's bad? Or is that because just... Inauthentic. Yeah, inauthentic. Yeah. I mean, if I fully believed, then I'm still good. Okay. But if you don't believe in the thing that you would be manipulating people toward, right. that's where it becomes the problem. Right. I don't want to manipulate somebody into something that I don't fully believe anymore. Mm. Um, you mean every form? I mean, okay, 
I went to a concert, and what was the year? 2011, maybe. It was Mikey Maines and the Branches. Mike Maines is a guy I grew up with, actually. Um, and he's, like, hit it big. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say he's tier two. Like, he's right, he's right on the cusp. He's signed by Tooth and Nail. He tours the Switchfoot. Okay. Like, he's right there. And he did a show at the Pyramid Scheme in Grand Rapids mm-hmm. in 2011. And he wrote a song called Emma Ruth. And the song is about, and I, I, sorry, Mikey, if you hear this, I'm going to butcher this. It's one of his friends. They're a couple. They lost a child. And the child's mm-hmm. name was Emma Ruth. And it's this long song, and it's dense, and it's big. And he was also touring with a guy named John, American Opera. Love, love the dude. And they just connected on the tour. And so the very last song that Mikey sang was Emma Ruth. And it's this big song, and then there's like a breakdown, and it's like the rest of the song is just the bridge. And it's that, like, and he just, like, it's just like a yell. It's like mm. a scream yell. And it's, it's, it's really good on the album, but he stops the concert and he calls John out from the back, and he comes down off of the stage and into the middle of the crowd. And there's like 500 people standing around him in this big circle. Ooh. And um, he, he has his guitar, and he has the microphone, and he takes the microphone and he tips it upward. And, and then he, and then he asked John, like, come in front of him and they're facing each other. And, and like the, the bridge is starting to build and build and build. And he, he, he takes his right hand behind the neck and head of John and their head, their, their foreheads touch and they start screaming this bridge. And it was so moving. Like it was like three or four or 10 or 20 minutes. I don't really know. Time kind of is weird in those moments. Those mystical you know uh phenomenological moments yeah. it's it, it and don't 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 do <laughs> that was not religious that was not religious <laughs> um it's a pump fake for sure i know but it was it was like i couldn't look away i i didn't i felt so many i felt so moved i'm like and I remember leaving. I was with Juge. I remember leaving, and we sat in the car and drove home in dead silence. Like, we mm. didn't even know how to respond. He manipulated us in order to, for us to feel what he felt. Mm. He manipulated the environment. He manipulated our hearts and our brains in order to connect the gap between us and him. And it worked. Mm. And it worked so well that I left feeling a part of what he felt. Mm. That is what church does. But you can also do it in a secular setting. You can do it in a movie. They manipulate your emotions and you cry or laugh. That's a manipulation. Yeah. You know, I, maybe it's, I'm going to have to process this. um, (laughs) Because like, it it might be just that I have such a strong sense of what manipulate means. It, It could be that like, this is my old training as a worship leader coming in and like wanting to defend it and be like, well, no, that's just like inviting them into the feeling. That's not manipulate, you know, so I, I, I just have to sit with it. Um, but, but either way, you know, it, it does, it is that whole thing. Like I, you know, when you start to realize and it may be whether it's inauthentic, I know for me, when I started realizing that like, oh, we're, you know, maybe it was this belief that there's something happening in worship, you know, going back to like people using the language of this was spirit led or like God must have influence. And they realized like, no, it wasn't that it was knowing that these four chords are going to make us feel this way. And when we add the pad here, you know, that's where it then feels like, Oh, is this not, is this not real? Is this not, you know, or um, I don't know. It's just it, that I know made it really tough. I think the root word of the, and if I, and this is going way back, but I feel like the root word of, manipulate is when you can get that boot ready is, is, is the, the potter's hands would manipulate the clay into a vessel. And so you manipulation is, see, that's not, that's not the word that the church would use, right? Oh no, no. They would use the form or shape or mold. Yeah. But you want to manipulate the clay in order Ah. to, to create the vessel you're trying to create. So this is all triggering me because, um, (laughs) My youth pastor, when I was like uh, probably eighth grade, ninth grade, <clears throat> he said, I wish you knew the, how much you have the power to manipulate, and uh, I wish you used it for good, and I hope I get uh, to see you do it once. Oh, and then man. I was like, I don't even know what the hell he's talking about. Oh, man. And, and then he, he, he parsed it out. How, how old were you? Freshman. Eighth grade, high eighth school. Eighth grade. Yeah. So this is like 25 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he was like, 
you are always going to be a thermometer or a thermostat and you are always going to set the tone wherever you go and if you can learn to set people up in a way that helps them and isn't Mm self-satisfying for you for your benefit there's something bigger than you at stake yep and he's that's where I, I resonate with what you're saying. Like it was un, inauthentic, and when it was inauthentic to me, I was like, "Fuck this, I'm gone." Yeah, I can't do this. Yeah, um, and I, yeah, I, wow, I'm tracking <laughs> with you. I smell what you're like. I did down. not anticipate talking about the, the properties the, of manipulation, the, etiolo- the etymology of manipulate. <laughs> yeah, you know, how do we understand? I, but this honestly, word? it's so interesting, but it plays so much into who I am as a person. Yeah, mm-hmm. and but also, it I need to spend the rest of my life being cognizant that I use this ability to help as many people as yeah. possible and not. So, to so maybe harm. I can ask this question almost philosophically, or you can take it in the direction kind of just personally, like you were just saying, like what's the difference between Oh, I almost don't even like this question. You can tell me what you think. Oh, what's no, the difference? Answer. What's the difference between positive and negative manipulation? Like, how can you tell if it's good manipulation or bad manipulation? <laughs> uh, one, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but can anyone for, know? For me, okay. For me, I would. I mean, one, it's intent first and foremost. Okay. Um, you know, like, what is your intent? Because, but, but then there's a big gap between intent and impact. Yeah. And I might have really good intentions, but my impact is poor. Yeah. And I, that's, that's the hardest part of all of this is my intentions through all of my religious and religiosity yeah. was really good. My intentions were good, but sometimes my impact was bad. And, and how, so like that was for you and how you participated. I, would you frame that as far as church in general? Or I, at least your I'm experience? only going to talk about myself. I okay. can't talk about anything that is not me. Um, and that's, and that's simply because I only know my experience, the church as a whole, I can talk about your experience. We can talk about your experience I can talk, of the church. Yes, I can. Yeah. Um, I have no idea the intention of others manipulation, uh, but from what I, from what I know for me, um, my intentions were always good, but that doesn't necessarily produce a good manipulation sure. because if I have a very narrow mindset and I, in my ideology, teaches me these one things. And my intention is to make sure that all of the women get pregnant at the same time. And I manipulate the minds of the people in order to, they can see that it's good. Yeah. And then one of the people has, uh, one of the people, one of the women that gets pregnant ends up, uh, having a child that has down syndrome and then the pastor scolds them. Oh man. And then the pastor casts them out. Oh my gosh. And the manipulation, (laughs) the manipulation that led down that path impact intent versus impact. Uh, Like you have to ask the questions, the question behind the question. Like I, my intention might be really good, but what are my impacts? And that's really the deciding factor between is the manipulation good or bad is, well, how is it impacting the other person? Um, How are they taking it? What are they doing with it? You know, like most importantly though, honestly, like I hate the idea that I'm manipulating anyone. I love Mm. people having full autonomy all the time. But when I see somebody that is hurting and living in a narrative that is uh, just completely downcast, I will speak love in their life and I will use manipulation in order to help them love themselves better. Mm. So that becomes maybe a little bit of a litmus to say what's a good impact or a bad impact is one of them being, does it lead to someone not loving themselves versus having love? Yeah, those are great questions that I literally have never asked myself. Mm. I I, I just, if I see somebody that needs help, I help. It's a gut feeling. Yeah, I just go with it. (sighs) Freaking like, eights, man. Like, if, if, I look, if I look at you, <laughs> I like, just know, okay? There, there's been times. He doesn't have to explain it to me because yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I, like I, I mean, I, there's an example uh, of, of, of a person that I met not, not too long ago. And we just, we were hanging out. And she told me, like, one sentence of her story. And I stopped her. And I was like, you know, I just want to let you know I'm really proud of you. And I have no idea why I said that. I just felt it. And she, like, just, it was all full tears. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. it, but it turns out like she ha- has a father that is not 
has never been proud of her. And for just to hear a male figure in her life Mm. that is proud of her, like it was something that she had never, like that is me manipulating her and showing her that I'm proud of her. I mean, I'm, I'm not manipulating her in a bad way. I'm, it's the brain. I'm, I'm showing her brain that she is worthy and she is loved. Yeah. And she's, somebody thinks she's, that they're proud of her. Yeah. There's, there's two things I would want to say to that particular anecdote. Like one, um, I know I was kind of, I'm joking a lot about like, ah, oh, the eights and ah, the gut knowing and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but like, but that is a way of knowing, right? That is a way of bringing in information to, to have it on a gut level that isn't always able to be articulated. That, that is a form of intelligence. And there's something to be gained through that, that, that y'all do very well. My criticism is when you overtrust that and you just know and know and know and know gut wise. And it's not necessarily true because it isn't perfect for y'all. Anyway, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay, cool. My gut does not lie to me. My brain does. So when I don't trust my gut and do something wrong, it's because my brain got in the way. What, what? The second thing I was going to say, <laughs> that was like the, I'm not even that was the that. self-supporting oh, God answer gosh. within that. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. Hundred percent. Put that in your pipe. So you can't. So you can't. There's no questioning the gut. No, the gut gut never leads you wrong. Just like the gut. Is the gut your new god? I call it God Gut. Oh, okay. Do you sing songs? Do you do you have smoke machines? To my gut sings songs. (laughs) I need a bad burrito. That fruity pebble donut is not making you speak bad, dude. Honestly, that okay. I'm gonna speak real quick. Third wave coffee and ice cream, (laughs) Belding, Michigan. Holy shit, the Fruity Pebble donut brought me to a place of reverence. This is the advertisement portion of the episode. You should do uh, hot reads on a radio network or something for us. That would be cool, Mark. I, I can read it like I did my uh, commission from God. Yeah. Oh. So, I, so I, I love this moment, but I also I don't want to lose the moment of yes, like, please, the bring piece us back. that you said. So, bring us um, back. Because you know, like your example of talking to the young woman and saying that, like... Oh. It's powerful. In my, the, the lexicon of my upbringing would have been to say that you were open to a word from the spirit. Sure. To offer that to them. Sure. Um, hearing that now with where you're at in the mystic, I'm a human, I'm not sure what I know. Like, how do you hear what I just said? When I said, if, if you were to tell me. So like, just me telling you. I got a word from the spirit that, that that's, that's the way that my upbringing would have described sure. that moment. And, and my mine as well. Okay. Um, so how have, do you hear that now? In my brain, I have like four responses. One, I was like, okay, what spirit? Okay. And if you're like, Oh, it's the Trinitarian spirit of the Lord. Boo. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, cool. But I actually, I'm not trying to hear that from him. So is he manipulating my brain? Um, I didn't ask for it. So is God giving me something that I wasn't asking for? Is that a problem? It can be for an eight. Um, so that's that goes back to the question, though, because you said manipulation wasn't bad. Uh, no, I said it couldn't. It could. It's the intent versus impact. Right. Um, but then you just had a problem with God doing that to you. Right. But it didn't have to no, be with intent or impact. That's assuming it was God. Okay. And that's assuming all of these things. There's a lot of assumptions in this. Okay. Like, did God just give me a word that I didn't ask for? I didn't uh-huh. want. And okay. I didn't, I, I wasn't prepared for so does that mean God gives you things that you don't ask for? Because that's Ooh. not the upbringing that I was taught. Like the upbringing that I was taught is ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be answered. You know, th- these are the mm-hmm. things that I was up. Is God giving me something that I didn't ask for? Like mm. and, and then the, the immediate response, of course, would be, well, you're just in touch with the Holy Spirit. And I would respond by saying, no, I'm not. Mm. I mean, that's a whole like, what does that mean? I hate, you know? so I hate like, that shit. <laughs> even, even to even to like. For the Christian who is, this is a, a you know, just, I, I'm blanking on the phrase. This is something that bugs me right now is how much like Christianese I am noticing or like Christians who say words. And I'm like, what does that mean? What if it's possible that through the ideology of Christianity, we have tapped into something bigger than we understand as humans and we, ref- we reference that to God when in reality it's something so much bigger that we don't even understand that we get words from God or we get these funny feelings in our stomach when we right. sing or pray or fill in the blank. Yeah. Like there's a lot there that I would consider real. Mm-hmm. I mean, define real within itself. Sure. But my experience, like I, I had some very 
weird experiences in my faith. And they were very real to me. But what if I was just tapping in? What if all of this Christianity is 100% fake, but we are accidentally dialing into something bigger than us and then blaming God for all of those things? Mm. What if there's so much more? Because the experiences that I have had since being beyond I've had some very I've had some mystical experiences mm-hmm. that I don't even know how to comprehend. Mm. Have you done shrooms? I haven't. Oh, okay. But I want to. Oh. <laughs> and I'm going to do I'm going to I'm going to do a psilocybin ayahuasca whole episode on that. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Do you guys do you want do you want to hear some mystical experiences I've had? Sure. And then like we can talk about maybe we can talk about that a little bit. But like what, what, this what is if, no caffeine, right? It's just the spirit of the Lord. <laughs> That's Mark pressing the button right there. <laughs> no, no manipulation you know of caffeine. I, I realize I have never booed you on this podcast. I just did two things. I, I just in the beginning I was ridic- I was laying into you the way you and him. And now I booed him the way you booed us. <sighs> Wow. 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 Welcome. Full circle. Full circle. Wonderful. Mystical experiences from yeah, our circle of Christ um, compels us. Uh, <laughs> um, man, did, did, you guys want to hear some really, like, really fucking weird stuff in my life? <laughs> I'd say we have time for maybe one uh, and then a couple other questions. Let's let this be like a three hour podcast. I got to get home and Homie cook dinner. can't do that. <laughs> I can't either. You know, yeah. you, I get up at we three. Don't, we don't know if tomorrow is coming or not. <laughs> We this, need, this needs to exist. Listen, listen. Child, please. I got a business to run tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> I got to make those mystical fucking donuts. You make those? <laughs> finish them. Oh my yes. gosh. I want to watch you finish them. <laughs> that sounds oh my gosh. so dirty. Biscuits. I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> so I had, I had a mystical experience. I've had mystical experiences in Christianity. I know everyone... You know, like you've experienced oh healing in this and that. I don't even want to talk about healing. I have very mm. strong feelings about healing. You're just side note. God, if you choose to believe in a God, made your human body to heal itself. That is amazing. Why do you want this vending machine? I need to be healed now because you live in America where everything is instant gratification. Mm. You have a body that heals itself. That is a miracle. Stop seeking ex- extra normal healing and just shut up and go sit on your couch and mm. eat your fries like you do Monday through Saturday. Done. What, what do we do with those Bible passages? Oh, man. I, I mean, to, to be charitable. <laughs> Let them be cool stories in the Bible. Like, God has created this would, incredible human being in front of you that he literally heals us out of his would that, would, right that, would that suggest that the Bible is not connected to my life and is not? It might be. But why are you in such a hurry to heal? Maybe there's a process in the journey of healing that God needs mm-hmm. to teach you some lessons of slowing down and not being that's an ass word. and trying to climb mountains and then falling and almost killing yourself like I did. And that's why I have a scar. And I didn't ask God to heal my scar fast. No, there was a process in the yeah. healing that I needed to go through. We can do a whole episode around healing. And if in I, fact, I w- let's knock that one away for sure. Yeah. Right. Like I like uh, the entire idea of the time it takes to heal is the time it takes to heal. Mm-hmm. Don't rush the heal. Don't rush the process. Side note, back to mysticism. Gosh, you There's guys are two side notes firing. You guys are you guys are making me fiery today. Ooh, I like this. That like that doesn't happen regularly in your life. That's just <laughs> something we're bringing out of you right every now. Single, really mark every single podcast. Really mark. <laughs> <laughs> just wait till you listen to episode 7. It gets fiery. Oh good. Um well, and certainly with the, a lot of those mystical experiences, this is part of what, as you described earlier, moves you from like atheist, none of this is happening, nihilism, to a place where you're, you're now more open to the existence of something. Oh, um, man. Something there's, bigger that we can't you know, articulate. There's, there has to be so much more yeah. than just the, skin, the bag of skin and bones that we are. You know, I mean, like it, if you buy a boat and the boat is old, and you replace the wood planks on the side, then you replace the, the deck, then you replace the motors, and you replace the inside, replace everything. Every single piece is replaced. Is right. it actually the same boat? Right. It's, it's more in the pattern. And you, yourself, you've been replaced by cells. You're constantly being replaced by cells, and even in the, the cells in your brain every two or three years, and even your bones, every nine years, you are a new person 
physically, mm-hmm. but you have memories from when you were chi- you're, you're a child, from when you were, you have love and feelings of people that you haven't seen in decades because it's more about the pattern. There is something more to your body than just your body. You are more than the sum of your parts. Mm-hmm. And that, if that is not a, a, an indication that there is so much more going on than just the physicalities of who we are, and the properties of matter that exist around us, then I don't know what it is. Yeah. I want to tie this conversation to come back to like church and to say, I mean, so for you, (laughs) how you doing over there, Petey? Can I call you Petey? You know, I'd punch somebody in the face for it, but usually, but Hey, it's cool, Mark. It's cool. (laughs) So coming back, (laughs) I love this. Um, you know, so, so coming to this place, it's something that has happened outside of church. I mean, you know, even reflecting on some of the things you said earlier, talking about your story and your experience and your upbringing, Bible college gives you certainty. Church gave me, you know, this kind of certainty box kind of, kind of to walk with. Um, is that still, would you say that's still how you understand church or churches to, to operate to this day? Well, churches require certainty in order to, in order for their faith practice to exist. Mm. Um, we know, me and you and Pete, we, we know that faith and certainty are uh, enemies. Um, faith requires doubt. Faith and doubt are dance partners. Mm-hmm. I mean, because if you doubt something, you have to have faith. Right. If you are certain about any one thing, you don't you, need faith. You don't need faith. Right. Yet I was so certain about everything. Yeah. And the difference between certainty and doubt is the the journey between certainty and doubt and that's where everything kind of falls apart so so let me ask this question from and and you know me and trust me and know that i would not be asking this question at all from like a evangelism kind of (laughs) kind of please but but like and that's not what i'm like the what's behind the intent i should say that's not the (laughs) if if there were to be, whether it was a church or people of the Christian faith, that would be not only willing to speak the language that you just described, but actually actively saying this is the way that faith works, would that make you interested, curious, connected with, resonate with like that church? Oh, it'd be case by case. Okay. I'd check it out. I, I mean, like, I'm, I, I'm the kind of person that I need to experience something in order to figure out if that thing is for me or not for sure. me. Sure. Like, I just, I have to fully immerse myself. Do you think there are churches that would be I'm for you? I'm guessing Pete's probably the same way. Well, no, I'm just laughing because, you know, who's looking for a worship pastor right Don't, now? don't, boo! Stop that. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Anyways. <laughs> a good friend of the podcast. Yeah. Um... If, anyway. if I came across a faith, uh, faith practice, if I came across a church yeah. that was speaking in the same dialogue and the context that we are, yeah. one, it probably wouldn't be a church that would last too long because people probably wouldn't tithe as much mm. because tithing is associated to shame typically. Ooh. And if I don't feel really bad for what I do, I'm probably not going to give a lot of money to feel good about it. Yeah. So that church would probably die quickly and it wouldn't exist. So if you guys want to start a church, the church of the untethered, I'm in. All right. And well, so, so I, I mean, I appreciate that epithet. We've done a whole podcast talking about the shame that comes around to churches talking about money, all that good stuff. It's, it's the good stuff. You know what I mean? Um, but I would check it out. Keep going. Paint the picture of like the, the kind of church that you would be interested in. What, how else, what would be markers, descriptors? What would be behaviors you'd expect to see? Well, it'd probably show up at like six 30 in the morning and there'd be barbells everywhere. Um, we're back to the church of CrossFit. (laughs) No, uh, (laughs) realistically, um, a church that I'd be interested in or curious, curious about wanting to check out, they would have to be relentless in their pursuit of doing good on this planet. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like every week they're organizing something to make the community better, to make this planet better. I mean, I am not interested in sitting and listening to somebody else tell me mm. the things I already know about myself. So you don't need preaching? No. Mm. Nobody really needs preaching, okay? <laughs> Nobody really needs preaching. What, what people need is to be loved relentlessly. 
People need love and grace where it's not expected. You show that, and then you do community service. You, you, you relentlessly help the people that don't ask and don't expect it. That is a church that I would show up for. Mm. Yeah. That's, wow. wow. Well, I think not only because we're starting to get toward the end of time, but I think that's kind of a piece to, to sit with. I think for, I know I want to just sit with that, but I imagine for a lot of our um, listeners uh, to just like imagine what would that be like? Um, you know, one of the things I'm hopeful for in this series is the series of conversations is that everyone's going to bring something different. Mark, you're bringing something very different than a couple other people that we've had on and the other people that will have, you know, different stories, different experiences, different places you've landed. Um, but there's no matter where you listener are coming from here in this conversation, I think there's something to be, you know, just heard processed, uh, you know, something to kind of take with us from each person's story. And, um, I can imagine there's a lot from this conversation for me. I know that last piece is, is going to be something that I want to sit with and, uh, encourage you all to do that too. So Mark, thank you so much for being willing to jump thank on our you podcast. Um, Shine on, you've, my you've talked about your podcast a couple of times. Will you tell yeah. the listeners a little bit about what you do? Uh, I have a podcast. What's it called? <laughs> it's called the Mark explains podcast. Uh, you look for it. It's a little blue character. Yes. On iTunes or Spotify. Yeah. Um, honestly, I don't do it for people to listen to. I do it because I feel like it needs to be created. Mm. And so if you want to listen, great. That's awesome. The true artist. (laughs) I love this guy so much. (laughs) If you want to listen, that's great. Uh, if you don't, that's great. I still love you and I'll still show love and grace relentlessly. Well, I know you aren't doing it just to get listens, but, um, if people wanted to hear a little bit more about what you're doing, that's where they can check it out. I'm actually uh, looking for people to do Enneagram podcasts with, and I'm going to do one with you for sure. Pointing to me here Uh, as a three. Yes. I'm going to do how to love a three. Yeah. How to love an Enneagram. I'm going to have you and your wife on. No, I, I should say it's how to love this three because not all threes are the same. (laughs) How dare you? Uh, yes, of course. And I, I'm looking for like sixes and nines. I don't have any of those. I'm having a, but uh, I have like 17 sevens. Apparently they all want to be on the podcast and you know, no, it's almost like there's no something ones. about it. It attracts a lot of people that I have know, a lot of high right? energy and do things. So and, if you want to be a, and actually I would love Tom, if, if you came and co-hosted that entire series with me. Oh man. Woo! Now that's on record that you've invited me to do that. Yep. Shoot. It'll be a lot of fun. That would be fun. Mark explains podcast. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Mark for uh, joining us. If uh, there's anything that kind of provokes some thoughts that you want to process with a few other people, we do have a Facebook group that occasionally has some conversations. You can search for it unraveling with Tom and Pete. You should be able to find the group. And uh, it's a, it's a space that we try to maintain as confidential. So we, we make sure there are real people that are joining that. And, and we talk about kind of what it means to participate on that group. No so, Russian bot. No Russian bots are listening other than the ones that Mark Zuckerberg has hired because it's Facebook. Um, That's a weird way to end a podcast, but we're going to do it. Gosh, darn it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Unraveling with Tom and Pete.